Today's episode is brought to you by Slay House Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. Hey, welcome to Slayhouse Presents. It's my first episode as regular host. And with me today, joining me in the booth, is my good friend and colleague, Jeremy Billingsley. Hey, here I am, everybody. I didn't do the introduction. We thought we were killing you off last week. Uh, that was not entirely correct. I told pe- people need to look up the term penultimate. I told them penultimate episode. <laughs> you know, I used to use that word in class all the time. I love and, it. And uh, kids would look at me like, "What? What? Are, what are you saying about my penis? <laughs> what are it's you? The why ul- is your pen the ultimate it's, pen? It's the ultimate. Come on, guys. And Title Nine calls us into the HR. And <laughs> I was not the one who was saying penis. I know. I'm just saying. For yeah, record. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the deal. Don't HR's, call the, yeah, don't call Title Nine on me. HR, HR is like calling us, calling you into the office. Like, what did you say about this kid's penis? Nothing. I said penultimate. Well, I said nothing. You, I, yeah, I said penultimate. Then HR's like, what did I also you say said about his penis? Looks like a dick. <laughs> then, then HR's like, what did you just say about my penis? Yeah. <laughs> I said it looks goofy. Why do you? Why do you have your pants up? <laughs> Oh, this is, this is bizarro uh, Title Nine office. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do the opposite here. Did you know... Uh, it's a DC Comics joke. Did you know... <laughs> <laughs> did you know uh, that's the wrong comic book publishing company for today? <laughs> did you know that, that I think I think the word... I'm going to mispronounce it now because it's been a while since I've looked it up and I have the, the memory of an ant. Um, an ant man? No, just oh, an ant. okay. All right. I, I thought we were staying on theme. Uh, we, yeah, I wish, um, (laughs) uh, I wish I had the memory of Ant-Man. Um, the, the, the new guy or the second guy, not Scott Lang, not, uh, not, not Hank Pym, not Hank Pym. Yeah. Freaking misogynist. (laughs) You know, there's a third Ant-Man. I'm sure there is. (laughs) He's a jerk. He he, he, like spies on people in the shower. He takes their food at picnics. I mean, he's he's a real real asshole. Um, I don't even remember where I was going with this joke. Oh, it's uh, it started with "Did you know?" I was looking up the etymology of the word "fuck," um, <laughs> and it's German and their neighbors, and like the the Swiss the Swiss word for "fuck," uh, 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 the the Swiss word that that eventually you know version of this was was "foca," which meant penis. Oh. Interesting. That's where I was going with this. Okay. All right. I've heard I had so many actual... different entomological origins of the word fuck. Folken? And and I don't think any of them are correct. I'm just I'm just saying. I don't I, I don't think know, a single one this, of them. This has goes ever back been right. to like the 1400s what I was looking at. Well, I mean, so. you know, everybody claims that. How do you, were you there? How does anyone know? Shh, I was. <laughs> don't tell everyone our <laughs> you're, secrets. You're immortal like Morbius. Like Morbius, or like the dude that flung himself off the out of the window. What was his name? <laughs> I don't the Immortal Man. I don't oh, the Immortal. <laughs> I don't even remember his name. He's such a weird mind. Why character. are we talking about superheroes? Well, today? well, we're talking about this. We're talking about superheroes today. I I brought us in to talk about Marvel <laughs> comics. For my last episode, you wanted to talk about Marvel. Yeah. For okay. Your, sure. For your last episode, I wanted to do my <laughs> deep dive. <laughs> Okay, let's do it. On let's, Comics. let's get into it. So this episode, uh, just to give us some structure, it's going to be part history lesson. It's going to be part comic book review. 
and it's going to be part why do why the fuck do we care which part am i playing again uh you, you play no parts you're <laughs> okay. you, you just you're just here for me to the, throw things at i'm the comic relief <laughs> <laughs> you don't fit into this this isn't a conversation this is a lecture okay <laughs> I'm I'm the comic relief, folks. I am the bad boy in the back of the classroom throwing spit wads at the teacher <laughs> while he's trying to educate. I'll have me. you know in the in Marvel <laughs> comics that'll that'll get you sent to Latveria. Yeah, that sounds painful. No, oh, it's just it's the country where Doctor Doom reigns. Oh, okay. only you know true Marvel heads would know that. Oh, okay. Sounds yeah. a little too close to latrine, you know, latrine. <laughs> latveria latrine. Yeah, they both start with lot. I guess maybe. Yeah, yeah. Do What's better, the etymology Jeremy. of lot there? Do do better, Jeremy. <laughs> got pe- This is why you're getting fired from the show. <laughs> uh, it's the etymology is back. True story. True story. They um, when people used to go to the bathroom, they had to use their backs. And uh, oh, to so the, because the, the way the, the toilets the were lat- designed in the old lateral days, lateral muscles, lateral muscles to yeah, use sure. their backs to use the bathroom, and um, the name stuck. And have you been playing Balderdash lately? Is that is that like your new pastime with uh, all of the time that you have off from the show? Sure, that and and because I'm retiring, that and shuffleboard and <laughs> pinochle and <laughs> euchre. <laughs> After having dinner at four o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> at the Cracker Barrel, at the Cracker Barrel, <laughs> or at the Golden Corral buffet, <laughs> Golden Corral buffet. <laughs> I would go to the Western Sizzlin', but they have closed ours. <laughs> I miss I miss Shoney's. Show, that's when we're kids. <laughs> oh no 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 Shoney's is Shoney's. Yeah, Shoney's. I was thinking of Showbiz Showbiz oh, Pizza. No, 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 no. <laughs> Shoney's. The, People are like, what the fuck Shoney's is this episode the, about? The the, the the chain that you know. Died in the nineties or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so go ahead. Yeah, let's let's actually get back on topic here. <laughs> this is impossible. Uh, history lesson. Let's start with some history, right? Okay. All, All right. right. So our story begins way back at the early part of the twentieth century. I'm not actually going to go that deep in the history, but I do think that in order to appreciate what Marvel was doing in comic books in the 1960s, you kind of have to understand. Where do comics come from? Right. Right. So comics are actually a new kind of art form, if you will. Um, It had started really appearing like in public media, if you will, kind of around the turn of the century. I won't, but go ahead. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Deeply insulted. Yeah, so, you know, comics kind of start as an art form, at least uh, in American popular media around the turn of the century, around the same time that that film was actually starting Mm. to take off, right? So they actually have kind of these parallel uh, uh, evolutions, if you will, which kind of makes sense because depending on your definition of what a comic book is or a comic itself, right – it's this notion of sequential art, right? A story told in sequence of still images. So is there any relation to comic books as we know them or as they, they were coming out then and like say the newspaper comic strips or yes. even or even the dime novels? Which... Yes. The answer is yes, actually, okay. right? Uh, so what, what was going on was these newspaper strips, which became kind of the – uh, the popular method of, of 
you know, kind of consuming comics as they started to grow more popular at the turn of the century, right? Um, you had a lot of people who were actually like saving clips from their newspapers of popular strips that they liked and kind of creating their own um, collections of of these comic strips, right? After a time, it was uh, kind of figured, well, maybe there actually is a market for this stuff, a market for reprinting uh, these comic strips, right? Okay. And so um, in the 1920s in and the 1930s, um, 1930s especially, we start to see these compilations, you know, these like giveaways of like, here's a collection of the best, you know, comics from... The, the newspaper funnies. Like, you know, here's, funny here's Marmaduke, here's Kathy, here's... Yeah, if those were actually popular, <laughs> right? Calvin yeah. and Hobbes. It's it, it's it's more like <laughs> Father Knows Best, you know, and, oh, okay. and uh, like the really old strip. This is even before the Adams Family, well, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, this yeah. is... Uh, yes, Adams Family See was our the singular... Deep dive episode. Yeah, they were kind of the single panel comics, if you yeah. will. And they were popular, popular in the New Yorker, right? Which was, uh, yeah. you know, a magazine. Uh, whereas... We're talking about stuff that was, you know, syndicated so you had to be around rich the world to be able to get the New Yorker and then cut comics out of that. <laughs> right? Yeah, you gotta be a richy <laughs> rich. Uh, but they also, you know, had a lot to do, not necessarily with dime novels, which I think, uh, you know, those those cheap paperbacks really blew up uh, after World War II, uh, but with like pulp stories, like like pulp magazines. They kind of came out of the same industry together. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think what reminded me of dime novels is that you always, I mean, we've heard for years and years, like, parents kind of despise, like, comic books. Like, my right. kid's reading this dribble. Yeah. And they thought the same thing about dime novels, too. It's like, you know, this which is... That, that was the pulpification yeah, of, yeah. I think, literature, which was much more popular after World War II, mm, uh, yeah. because really the pulp um, or, or the paperback industry did not exist prior to World War II. Mm. This is a fun fact. The paperback industry only really came to exist in the way that we know it today mm -hmm. because um, the uh, American military um, needed some way to keep troops entertained overseas. So they had book drives. And people would, you know, kind of bring their books and they, they would send the books overseas. Um, and, and eventually that kind of just dried up. It became kind of boring. You know, people are sending books that really weren't all that interesting. Whereas the um, American military was like, well, you know, what if what if we printed our own line of GI paperbacks, you know, these cheap, um, easily replicated books and we send those overseas. And, and so, you know. Various units are going to have like a little roaming library that they can check out books and it'll, it'll all be these like really cheap paperbacks that we commissioned for the war. And uh, American soldiers just got an, a, an appetite for that. World War Two was actually a, a propulsive. It also gave us the M&Ms. And you're right, Trevor. Yeah. Trevor, that that was a fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun to me. It was fun to me, too. Yeah. I just said it's a fun fact. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, that's how we get paperbacks. And, and that's also where the dime novels kind of came from. Gotcha. Because okay. when and of course, when you're selling a paperback, you know, if you're selling books to uh, to mostly white American men, right, mm -hmm. who have returned for more, how are you going to sell those cheap paperbacks? You're going to mock them up with 
busty ladies and like action and stuff like that. Which that's what again, I would do. Visual stuff that's drawn from uh, the pulps, yeah. which were really popular. Uh, horny men sell everything, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, anyway, or buy anything? You mean? Uh, uh, both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Hor- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> horny men will figure out how to sell to other <laughs> horny men, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, anyway, parallel growth. So you're here. saying we need an OnlyFans for Slayhouse? Yes. <laughs> I will pose for a calendar. <laughs> We're trying to earn money. <laughs> we have no standards. <laughs> so the the comic book industry uh, mm-hmm. blows up in the 1930s, right? Um, because they they kind of find out, oh, there's a market for like these recollected strips. But then they find out, well, what if we had a market for like new strips, like new stuff that hasn't ever been seen before? And that's really the 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 growth of the comic book market in the gotcha. 1930s. Things come to a head, I think, in 1938. That's the real big turning point. That's Aside when we from get, uh, DC and Marvel, right? Yeah, but, well, not not quite Marvel, but definitely oh, okay. DC. Gotcha. DC gotcha. Has, had actually been publishing stuff prior to 1938, but they didn't have like the mega seller. They didn't have mm. the thing that was going to sell a million books. Until 1938. What happened in 1938? In 1938, they release Action Comics number one with a little-known Superman character. I I meant (laughs) meant little-known character named Superman. The, I, it came I, out I don't wrong. know. I don't know if I can edit that in post. No, but but, you know, gotcha. gotcha. I own that. Yeah, you do. I got ahead of myself. Yeah. Yeah, a little-known character named Superman. Uh, he blew up. I mean, just became the most popular thing ever. All of a sudden, everybody wanted a Superman book. Can everybody. I? Can I like quickly like put this into like political context really quickly? Like, granted, this is 1930s, um, late 1930s. Late 1930s. So we're kind of coming out yeah. of the depression, but it's still but the depression. That it's a, a couple of German. Uh, not German, Jewish, Jewish. Um, kids yeah. create this Superman character yeah. based on the philosophers. Um, which philosopher was it? Help me out here. Um, uh, what, Nietzsche? the notion, Nietzsche's uh, uh, Nietzsche's uh, idea, of the, the Superman, Ubermensch. the Ubermensch, uh, which is also the basis for like, or some of the basis for the Nazi um, white supremacist kind of yeah, Nazi. Yeah, I movement. mean, it's it's kind of a, a parallel. That's not the uh, only thing the Nazi there. the Nazis used it for. Yeah, now, but, to be very clear, I don't. Well, I didn't see it as know. parallel. I almost see it like the Jews, like like uh, the Jewish people, like kind of throwing it back in the face of these Germans who are like... I mean, kind of. Let's not forget that uh, Joe Schuster and, and uh, Jerry Siegel, the creation, creators of Superman, mm-hmm. they were Jewish. Um, yeah, and they were very point. They were very much, very much in, in tune with what was going on with the Jewish community during yeah. World War II, um, especially in the lead-up to World War II, yeah. right? Um, and that's what I'm, I'm saying, is I feel like their their creation of Superman was kind yeah. of like a, a an interface back to the, yeah. the Nazi... I don't know how much... It may not that was intended as uh, a response of like we're going to create our own ubermensch right i don't know that that was actually what they were doing but i do think that it is interesting that superman became a symbol in the united states in the 1940s of american uh military power of american you know the american exceptional spirit of course yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, so Superman may not be as, as obvious a choice of that, but I mean, come on. 
Steve Rogers and Captain America. I'm talking oh, about yeah, a different no, company here, but yeah, I mean the very first issue but is him is punching the, right. Adolf this Hitler. Is, this so. is where they come from, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. in 1938, we have this huge character. Superman comes out on the yeah. scene. All of a sudden, everybody and their mother wants a superhero. Like everybody who's in this publishing industry wants to sell that million copies of a comic book. <laughs> And so everybody starts making up superheroes. And uh, so we, we, we get to this guy, uh, Martin Goodman. He's already kind of in the newspaper, or not newspaper, but he's already in the magazine um, scene. And he's like, I'm going to make my own company. So he creates Timely Comics in 1939. Yep. Nice name. Yeah. Timely Comics. It was a timely decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he creates. Uh, it, was a, it was very topical. It was there. Yeah, it was. A, it, one might call it timely for sure. Uh, but he he creates um, a, a book called I believe it's uh, Marvel Comics Number One was one of the first. If I think it's the first one he published, um, featuring uh, the original Human Torch, and who was a robot, right? Who was a robot? Yeah, How and. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, Namor, the Savage Submariner. Gotcha. And then uh, a little while later, um, 1941, we get Captain America, mm-hmm. of course, written by Joe Simon. And I wonder drawn if people realize Kirby. that like of our modern superheroes, like Captain America is almost as old as Superman and Batman. Well, it, right. He's I mean, he's right kind of there alongside these other characters. Batman yeah. was 1939. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman, I don't think, was until 1940 or 41. Uh, you know, one of the two. Yeah. Um, and and although Captain America is one of the older heroes, you know, he. It's funny because he has a whole run where he was not being published and then, you know, kind of resurrected in the 1960s. Which, which I guess we'll get into. what we're going to get into, right? But 1939 is is really important because it, it serves as the, the kind of explosion, if you will, of the comic book industry and the birth of some of these, these comic book superheroes that will become the most influential, you know, <laughs> figures, I think, in – um, America, American media today. You know, yeah. these are symbolic characters, char- iconic characters. I don't like to to call too much stuff iconic because I don't necessarily know that you know some stuff really deserves the the moniker of iconic. Sure, Captain America is is an iconic character yeah. in the literal sense of the word, right? Um, and he's become one of the most recognizably American icons in the world, uh, especially because of, you know, the explosion of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and all sure, that jazz, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So at least today we're talking about some majorly influential characters um, who were born out of the Great Depression and then the world and he's also violating like one of the part of the constitution like you can't wear the flag or something oh you know of course (laughs) right yeah you got to be patriotic though it's it's wartime right yeah right so um (laughs) world war ii is also really interesting because we have this explosion of superhero comics but then superhero comics start to wane in popularity even through the 1940s they were growing more and more unpopular yeah and as a result other books start to become more interesting, other genres. We see through the, the period of, of uh, World War II and afterwards, crime comics become much more popular. Westerns, science fiction, horror has a uh, huge boom 
in the late 1940s and the very early 1950s. I think we discussed that on an episode, didn't we? We did. Yes. I know I discussed it on a, uh, the Killer Mediums podcast yeah. with uh, William Serling. Well, I think during our first Halloween special, we talk about we the also talk birth about of DC Comics, Comics and yeah. the growth of Tales from the Crypt. That's and, right. And this is what yeah. we're talking about, right? Yep. This shift away from superhero comics to I missed a joke when genres. you said Wayne, too. I was I should oh, like, like a, a Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Wayne joke. <laughs> I, we got to get all these puns uh, in, man. We got one shot. Let's go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so in 1951, right, we, we see Timely Comics undergo their first, uh, like, really big name change. Um where they become magazine management or Atlas Comics, more colloquially known as uh, Atlas Comics. I really stumbled through colloquially known. I imagine that's a tough one. It's a that's a that's, that's a, a tangential tangential tangential. Yeah, tangential. We <laughs> I can't I can't even get it wrong right. I know yeah. it's fine. I it's I can I do that. For I didn't us. do my vocal warm ups. Hey, since I'm leaving, we should just tell people we were doing an interview. We were doing an interview with Karen, and we and our, our well, studio I, I, guys I cut feel this like out. We've already done, we probably have. We probably already told the story, but I'm going to tell them again just to make sure they know. Yeah, so we were doing, and I I I, I glanced at the word as I was reading off this question to Karen, <laughs> and said. Um, Tangential, and I was talking about like a side job yeah, or something, like, like tangential, like tangen- tangential. See, I can't yeah. even say it yeah, right. Yeah, it's. I mean, and it's he a can't say word. it wrong. I, don't and I can't know, say I don't, it right. I don't know. <laughs> and then both both Curtis and Trevor like looked at me, and Karen made this joke like, "Well, you can show yours, but I'm not going to show mine or something." And <laughs> it was a great. It joke. was a great <laughs> joke, kind of and helped. I realized my faux pas there at that point, and we all laughed and had good. a good laugh about it. It's so. really good. But we cut that out because we didn't think me saying tangential was appropriate. <laughs> for the podcast so right. we decided jeremy you're never going to say tangential again on the podcast so right. yeah and we say it all the time and, um and now i've just yeah. said it twice in a row yeah so then back to our story back right? to our story so, so the 1950s sees a, a really dramatic shift in uh comic book publishing right where things are shifting away from superheroes and more to these other genres mm-hmm. and then um in the early 1950s, uh, 1954, we have these uh, Senate subcommittee hearings on uh, juvenile delinquency. Yeah. Where they start talking about comic books being a leading cause of uh, juvenile delinquency based on the bunk research of this one dude who was just uh, – Really not the the greatest researcher on the planet. This is a reoccurring theme with our Congress. Like oh, they like they they want to pretend like, you know, freedom of speech and we're so high and mighty and all this. But, you know, we see this again in the 80s with like music and music lyrics. And oh, they're like, yeah. we need to put this explicit label I, on it's them. It's the same thing that happened in the 80s with D&D. It's yeah. the same things uh, that started happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, even and as early as the 70s with video games, you, you know, any And I'm not saying like Congress was responsible new. for the satanic panic, but they sure didn't help matters with that. No, with, like, it, that was it's the just, religious right. It, doing it's it. any t- any time any yeah. of this stuff kind of happens. It's, it's like the knee jerk reaction is, oh, well, we have to legislate lead away or something like that right uh in any case the the 1950s really changed the game and um with the adoption of the comics code authority which occurred in 1954 as a response to try to avoid congressional action 
against the comic book industry. Uh, the industry gathered together. They created this comic code authority, which was based on a 1930s film code, mm-hmm. uh, which we kind of talked about in our Universal Monsters series, yep. right? This effectively killed Tales from the Crypt and EC Comics. Yes, it, except it, 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 it basically did actually. It, yeah. it, it evolved into Mad Com- or uh, Mad, Mad magazine, magazine, which was yeah. a different thing, right? It wasn't completely. It wasn't different. a comic book. Yeah. It was a magazine that right. did a lot of different stuff. Um, but but it, it killed EC Comics, yep. and and for the most part, it it took away a lot of the ability to be transgressive in comic book art. An entire. Uh, underground comics scene kind of grows out of uh, the 1950s in the 1960s, the 1970s. We're not going to talk about that, though. We want to talk about the big corporate industries here, right? Because they need all the attention. Right. Yes, of course. Yeah, that was the joke. Um, So Atlas Comics in the 1950s uh, really struggles to to really um, make any ground. At this point in time, um, Stanley Lieber, um, who was writing under the the pen name Stan Lee, even as early as the 1940s. That's clever. I know, right? You just said uh, just cut cut off a couple. What if syllables. I take my two syllable name <laughs> and make cut it, it one in half. syllable? And then make my second syllable my last name. Genius. <laughs> so, I'm going to start writing under the right. pseudonym Jer M.E. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, but it worked for him, right? Like, it did, he, it he did. didn't sound so Jewish. Uh, he, he sounds like a, I don't know, he sounds like Stan Lee now. And, um, and, and Big Bang Theory made that same joke, too. Uh-huh. Like, like, he says something about Stan Lee and then. Penny, like I think Leonard says it, and like Penny's looking at him like Stanley, who, and right, that's yeah. that's the joke. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Stan, <laughs> no, Stanley, Stanley <laughs> Lieber. Um, yeah, so I mean, he's already been writing comics for for a couple decades. Now he's you know kind of the editor. Um, there was an attempt to kind of revive some of the superheroes of the 1940s in the 1950s. It did not take. It did not go well. Yeah. Um, and so the 1950s, uh, Atlas Comics kind of shifted entirely to doing these kind of like sci-fi, western, romance um, stories. You know, some horror, but it's not it's not the kind of horror that you would see from EC Comics. Yeah. It's, you know, pretty pretty tame stuff. Um, and and that continues through the 1950s. Now. At the competition, DC Comics, right? <laughs> um, things were changing for them. They also went through the same slump of sales because, you know, superheroes weren't so popular. But they redesigned their entire superhero line and really kind of managed to re-market the superhero genre um, as being palatable uh, to, to readers. And it worked. They yeah. they stayed in business. Uh, Stan Lee uh, kind of remarked that <laughs> one of the reasons that Atlas um, kept in business through the, the 50s was that they were quick, they were cheap, and they were of passable quality, which I think is uh, hilarious. Passable quality. That That's on our moniker for Slayhouse. Che- <laughs> 
quick, cheap, <laughs> quick, and cheap, passable, passable quality. quality. Right here, folks. <laughs> yeah. So in 1961, right, yeah. there's another kind of rebrand of Atlas Comics, and they become Marvel Comics. This is uh, when they formally become Marvel Comics. They had been Marvel Comics, you know, before, again, kind of on the street. Um, some of their, their titles, you know, were like, this is a Marvel comic, but it really becomes the thing that they call themselves in uh, 1961. And it all starts with a little book called Fantastic Four. <gasps> Gasp! What? The we're Fantastic there. Four! We're there! We've gone through the history section, right? Yeah, the Fantastic Four! Now, there's, there's a little bit more behind the scenes that I think is really interesting about... Um, Marvel Comics and, mm-hmm. and the way that they were kind of writing comics. Because after the Fantastic Four, we start to see a whole bunch of different superheroes come up in uh, Marvel Comics. We have books that were formerly um, like different genre books suddenly become superhero books. So like Tales of, to Astonish, um, Tales of, of Suspense. These Journey were into Mystery. Journey into Mystery. Yep. These were all books that were sci-fi stories really you know they were sci-fi or fantasy books um amazing fantasy right was Mm -hmm. another it was it was a fantasy book um that in its last issue uh (laughs) right um stanley got to to actually put the spider-man story in amazing fantasy number 15 and it was the only one that anyone cared about it was like i want to know more about this spider-man guy i've seen that comic i've never i've i've been this close as i am to you to that comic Uh uh i've never been able to afford that comic you know nobody can afford that comic i could afford it when i first saw it as a kid i was like in middle school i saw a copy of it in a a comic book store Uh if i had the money probably a reprint no, 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 this was an original original amazing it was priced like an original yeah in the in the 70s how old the fuck do you think I am? In the eighties, in, in the like eight late eighties, nineties. There's no way it was an original Amazing Fantasy. 15. There's no way you I could have saw... afforded that in the late eighties. Yeah, no, I couldn't have afforded. <clears throat> That's what I'm saying. Oh, I could yeah, not okay. afford that. I got it. I got if it. I maybe it. if I had the money I'm making like today. I probably could have back in the eighties. Back in the eighties and nineties, I could have afforded it. I could believe that. Fast forward to today, if I find that same comic, I can't. Yeah, I'm out. I'm priced out of it. No, that's Nicolas Cage money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicolas Cage money. It is um, Owen Wilson money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I I can't do it. I can't do it. No, no. yeah, I, I mean, uh, these were like immensely popular all yeah. of a sudden, right? Um, and and back to, to kind of what I was talking about, a lot of these books that were being distributed, um, there was an agreement that um, Goodman, the the guy who you know founded the company, he was running the company, um, he had a distribution agreement with Independent News that basically said, you can you know circulate only so many titles per month. Gotcha. And uh, and that was true through uh, 1968. That's when Goodman started to renegotiate that line. So you, you see a lot of uh, the same characters kind of like doubling up in these books. You know, like the Avengers comes about um, in in the 1962. Uh, it was is it 62? I have dates. I brought <gasps> dates. And here I came stag. <laughs> he brought dates, folks, and I came stag. That's, that's, That's a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some of you laughed. I know. I can hear you through the headphones. Some of you are laughing. 
And you're Forgive laughing me. at me, not with me. Uh, the Avengers uh, actually came way later. Uh, Avengers uh, came in 1963. Ah, uh, right? yeah, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, the, one of the reasons why is because through 61 and 62, right, Marvel is like starting to create these characters. We, yeah. we start with Fantastic Four, and then eventually we get uh, Incredible Hulk, and we get Spider-Man, and we get Thor, and we get what uh, Ant-Man. What drug was popular in that time that Stanley took it to just like create? Like, was he on Adderall or something? Uh, maybe, or, yeah. Or like it Coke may have been. Crank? It may have. It may have been amphetamines. And, yeah, amphetamines were pretty popular back then. I'm yeah, not yeah. going to say St- Stanley took drugs, but I mean, I'm not saying it, and we don't need. Stanley's... I mean, he was prolific. That was the thing. <laughs> yeah. he, like the guy just cranked out stuff over and over and over. Now, as we'll get into in this review section, right? Um, certainly, you know, not everything is great. But one of the reasons why you see so <laughs> so many characters, you know, kind of like cropping up, and then all of a sudden we have these big team books, and we have characters who are the, like. You know, Iron Man's sharing a book with Captain America. That that was because of Iron this. Lung Man was sharing a comic. Iron, Iron Lung Man. Yeah, <laughs> walking around with uh, with he, he was based on FDR. Everyone knows. Oh, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fucking terrible. <laughs> That's so bad. Too bad our jokes in this episode aren't timely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but they had to cram more characters together into these books to ship them out, right? Right. Uh, because they were limited to how many titles they could have. So um, in order to sell, you know, an Iron Man book and a Captain America book, well, they can't have their own books, but they could share a book. <gasps> and that book will ship, right? So that's kind of uh, the, that's what characterizes this era of Marvel. They have a lot of different characters that are, you know, kind of sharing pages with one another. As a, a matter of necessity, right? That like Marvel has to kind of cram all of these characters together in order to to ship the book, and that makes for really interesting character <laughs> dynamics. You know, like really interesting character stories, um, at least in this early period of the 1960s, oh, where sure. you know they're they're trying to grow their brand, and so a lot of these books are taking on new characters and really trying to work these characters in for you uh, so that you, c- you kind of fall in it's love It's too with bad them. they still couldn't get some of those characters from the 40s back, though. Uh, like what? Like the Human Torch. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be cool if you could resurrect him in maybe the Fantastic Four? Oh, yeah. He was one of the – except he wasn't. That was a robot, and this guy's like just oh, a guy yeah, who no, sits – he's a, just the Human Torch. He sets himself on fire. But then they do – they actually do. They go back yeah. and they, they take the robot Human Torch and make him into the Vision. Yeah, that's true because technically the human torch isn't human. He isn't human. He's not yeah, he's, living he's up to his android. name. He's an android. And then yeah. the, and then the mad thinker. I don't know which issue it is. I haven't gotten to it yet. I thought it was Tony Stark and Iron Man. No, and Thor it was, did it was, something. It was the mad thinker. The you mad, mean the MCU lied to me? Yes. Fuckers. Yeah, the mad thinker took uh, human <laughs> human torch's body and made uh, Vision. Gotcha. Yeah, oh yeah. Thing. So so who else could they have? Prince Namor. Yeah. Yeah, it would be really cool if he showed up in like, I don't know, Fantastic Four number four. God damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a fun reveal. Uh they're like, all hey, right, this guy right. used to be and and what's what's great is like the characters are reading a, a Namor comic. What happened <laughs> to that guy? And then he shows up on the fucking street outside. <laughs> it's, it's really great. So but they didn't resurrect Captain America. Oh yeah, no, that wouldn't happen until, you know, Avengers number four. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a number four. I, I, let me make sure I'm not just talking out of my ass. Uh, no, I think you're no, probably it, pretty no, close. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm on the money. It's, yep. it's number four for both of them. Get off. Um, we have to pay our bills. 
<laughs> See, so what, I'm squeezing them all in, folks. Here, here's where I start to get a year's into, worth of bad jokes into this episode. Into this one episode, this singular deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that I really love about 1961 uh, is that it's so clear that they are not sure that superheroes are going to be a hit. Like Stan Lee might have been writing stuff, and Stan Lee would probably tell you uh, if he were still alive today, he'd probably tell. Oh, I had all like a hundred percent faith, or you know, however. I don't whatever. think he would. I think he'd just look at you and go, "Excelsior." <laughs> <laughs> yes, on Stan's soapbox. Um, it was just clear, you know, they were trying something new, right. and Fantastic Four. Uh, at least for the first three issues, reads like a science fiction story. Yeah. The the Incredible Hulk, when the Incredible Hulk is created, he's not a superhero. He's a monster in yeah. a science fiction story that's riffing hard, hard on uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, really it is. totally riffing on that guy. Yeah. Did you know that uh, he doesn't originally change because of uh, anger? Did the, you know the, he was the, the, originally supposed to be green? Uh, yes, I did, because yeah. I read those comics. I know you have. He's, he's gray. He's gray. They just couldn't uh, get the ink to work right. Uh, the, well, the, the problem so. was, it was a, yeah, it was a printer error. <laughs> it was a printer they error. They misinterpreted the the, the the color that they were told to color the panels. So uh, all of the gray that they were supposed to paint uh, human to, or uh, human torch, uh, the Hulk, <laughs> they, they misinterpreted it as green. And then they just never changed it. They're like, all right, he's green now. His original name is the Gray Bulk, and then they got the printer out. <laughs> the Gray Bulk. And they were like, he's uh, green. Fuck, we, gotta, we have yeah, to change the name. What are we going to call him? Yeah, uh, just for, call him Hulk. For several <laughs> for several of the the original issues, right, he was gray, and then all of a sudden he turns green. And they're like, yep, all right, we're going with it. It's a, it's a weird, you know, it's too expensive to fix, so we're just going to keep it that way. Um, <laughs> cheap, <laughs> quick, affordable, like, like a reasonable. Passable quality. Passable quality. <laughs> So these characters are are clearly in science fiction stories. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. and fantasy stories. I mean, don't the Fantastic Four they get their powers by being dosed with like gamma radiation from it's, or cosmic it, radiation? Cosmic radiation, yeah, cosmic which radiation. Is totally made up, right? Oh yeah, and the, and well, the, it's clear that they obviously and they fight mole men. Like like yeah, mole man's issue men. one, isn't he? Yeah, issue one is mole man. Like he's, their big villain hasn't even villain. appeared yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Their 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 first really major like super villain, like a real super villain, is Doctor Doom in. Uh, I thought Fantastic he was their Four only real super villain. No, there there are quite a few that that start. They don't have up. the rogues gallery like a Spider Man or Batman. Except or... they kind of. I mean, they they develop one. Yeah, right? yeah They kind of yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't remember too many of them because I think Spider Man's villains are just so much more entertaining than the Fantastic Four. Oh villains. yeah. Um, but they have a, a, a rogues gallery that that shows up for a long time you've got paste pot pete who becomes the trapster fuffer and fuck attack <laughs> such a stupid name to paste pot pete he looks like a beatnik with with a, a, a just literally a pot of paste which was the suit who had the supervillain that like became a supervillain literally because he fell through a plate of glass and like cut himself up and had to put him oh, I don't even remember I don't think I've I've run into that character. Oh, I yet. think you might have you might have just forgotten because it was an old comic. It was like a Thor or something or like it was some villain like in one of those comics. 
I mean, like I, a... I don't doubt it. I've read some real shit. <laughs> let's be real. Uh, but but oh, I'm are not we sure. getting into that? Are we getting into the real shit? Eventually? Yeah, I, I mean, yes, eventually. Okay, I, I think so. Um, but these early, you know, the character evolution is really kind of fun to watch because, like, the Fantastic Four. They face like mole men, and then they face like a- literal aliens, the scrolls from outer space. Yeah, uh-huh. um, Th- one of Thor's first uh, encounters with anybody is the literal space aliens. Space aliens are everywhere in these early stories. Yeah, uh, Spider Man um, in in one of his f- first villains was uh, the Tinkerer, mm. who is. Yeah. It revealed at the end of the story or something like that to be an alien. It's it's like everybody's dealing with fucking aliens all the time. Yeah, yeah. How about and, a cool, spe- not memorable, <laughs> not memorable aliens either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tinkerer. Oh, sure, I remember yeah. that guy. <laughs> He's the yeah. Tinkerer. What but, does he do? He just kind of messes yeah, with stuff he, over he, there. He dabbles. <laughs> but I think that in even in the early years. Um, I can just see that as being like mildly annoying. Like, I am the tinkerer. Let me see your phone. No, stop that. Stop that. Stop that. No. I changed your settings on your television set. <laughs> and he runs away. Why does my clock say 12 when it's 1130? <laughs> or 11? I tinker. I tinker. So much for daylight saving time. <laughs> I matched your clock to the atomic clock on Mars. <laughs> like runs away. Hey, my toaster oven fixes works now. I tinkered with it. Damn it! I tinkered. <laughs> I did something right. I didn't mean to. That's when that's when the tinkerer becomes a hero. Right, right, right. I cannot get my coffee to uh, to ma- save the programming to brew. I'll tinker with it. I'll tinker. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite. Uh, there, there's a new villain that I just ran into from a comic in 1966 or whatever, um, in a, in a Nick Fury comic, and his whole thing is like I can I can build anything out of anything, and uh, and so he builds like a rocket to launch so itself. He's MacGyver? Yes. He's, he's MacGyver. He's Marvel Comics' is MacGyver. Uh, except he, he escapes with like this rocket pack or jet pack that he builds from his prison bed. And I'm like, what? What was fucking combustible? What, where'd you get the rocket fuel from your fucking bed? bed it's the bed it's the bed springs yeah boing. yeah boing. you know what i'm sure there's a character that's done that I'm, I'm pretty sure that's iron man people don't know that the mortar between the cell blocks is like actual combustible material uh, you know what? i'm almost 100 percent certain there is an issue of iron man where he's like my springs will get me there fast and he's got like like inspector gadget springs on his feet iron lung man iron lung man iron lung, iron man is basically inspector gadget Oh yeah, this is this is my big grief with any of these stories. Is like Stanley, as prolific as he was, only knew how to write one fucking story, and he just does this a billion times uh, through nineteen. So what is that story that he's writing? It's always like superhero has problems. Superhero wants something that superhero can't have. Villain shows up. Superhero and villain fight. And then after the fight is done, superhero goes back to lamenting the thing that he cannot have. That's always the case. Yeah. Yeah, that was every Spider-Man uh, comic that I every read Spider-Man and... issue, every Iron Man issue, every Daredevil issue, every mm-hmm. Thor issue, every Iron Man, mm-hmm. every Captain America issue. Except the thing that it's funny because most of the time the thing that they want that they can't have is a woman. Uh, yeah. Except in Captain America's case, uh, the thing that he wants but can't have is Bucky Barnes. <laughs> mm. 
Okay, Cap. <laughs> All right. <laughs> whatever. I mean, whatever a, you want. That's a bit of Ace and Gary there for uh, you. Uh, you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's just it, what's so funny <laughs> to me about it is like it's very, very genuine and so homoerotic, and they just, they don't even you know nobody so seems to notice. So if that's true, then what does Reed Richards want? Oh, just uh, the—he's the worst character. <laughs> I fucking hate. We'll get into why I hate him. Okay. So much. What I think sets these superheroes apart from any other superhero in 1961, though, is that you know they actually do have wants and needs that come into conflict with the yeah. rest of the world, and they don't like each other. They're just like normal people. They all yeah. have their griefs. They have their pet peeves. And I think that is really revolutionary in a, a superhero, you know, oh, story. Sure. Yeah. Even though you might have characters who mean the best, that doesn't prevent them from making stupid, bad decisions. You know, Thor. Um, a recurring problem for Thor is his pride, yeah. and that is always getting him into trouble. Where he will make a decision for himself, uh, being prideful, that that actually does not work out in his favor. MCU fans and um, casual comic fans may not realize that the the nod in the first Thor movie to Stephen Blake was Thor being you punished. Mean, uh, Don Blake. Don Blake. Yeah, Don, Don Blake. Blake. Sorry, not yeah. Stephen Blake. Um, Don Blake was a nod to the original character of Thor in those comics because he was punished for his pride by being stuck in the body of this yeah uh, this the, like the, the weak decrepit uh, Donald Blake yeah yeah that, yeah that comes much further down the line yeah to, just to kind of like put into people's minds the frame of reference I'm using here um, I started just last year re- I was like I'm gonna read every Marvel comic because folks Star Wars ever. wasn't enough Star Wars wasn't enough I had to go Marvel comics too it it will <laughs> I actually did the math on this at my current rate I will finish in 20 years. If Marvel goes out of business if Mar- today. If Marvel went out of business today, I would finish in 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I'll die before I ever uh, finish this mission, but I'm going to keep at it. Um, so at this point in time, I, I have read everything through 1966. I feel like at some point you can probably just stop reading because at some point it gets to it's the- all, It's very simple. It's like very, yeah, it's so soap opera and oh, and it's very like, what's the big thing? Now the next big thing we joke, I mean, we bitched about this before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, and and I, I, there's a lot of modern comics I just don't care that much yeah. about. But but I at least wanted to make my way through. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'll, I'll stop in the mid-70s. Uh, maybe I'll keep going. I, I really don't know. But for now, I, I'm, I continue to read this stuff. And uh, I, sh- I should make it through, I think, the... Uh, maybe 72 or something like that this year if I keep on track. Um, but So I'm only referring to 1961 and 1966, which is everything I've read. So, and I've read all of it. I've read every single fucking one of them. So much um, like the Star Wars update, this is Marvel update Marvel update 1966. Yeah. And uh, I'll keep doing this for the next 20 years until I'm dead. Or until uh, you guys all quit listening. It's, yeah, you know. You know, tomato, uh, no, it's I, I, you know what? I'm going to keep doing it, even I if think, you don't I think they're going to listen. I think they're going to listen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Back to Reed Richards and how much I hate this prick. <laughs> this, this guy's the worst. Uh, so, so many of these characters. But he stretches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all parts of his body, apparently. I, can't, I don't know what Susan Storm sees in this guy. Because all parts of his body stretch. I, I, that must be. <laughs> it's the, uh, maybe it's the only thing that Stan Lee thinks is impressive about. I don't know. I mean. So, let me, this is my hot take. Stan Lee saying. doesn't know how to write a fucking woman to save his life. 
Oh no, yeah, that's his, not a his, hot take. His, that's his, a... no. His his female characters are just the worst I've ever read. Yeah. Um, a lot of his characters are deeply misogynistic, like Reed Richards. Reed Richards talks to Susan Pym Storm or... like she is. Or Hank, oh God, Hank Pym's, like he and Reed Richards are in a, a who's a bigger dick contest. And unfortunately, Reed Richards can stretch every part but, of But Ant-Man can grow real big. So, yeah, know, yeah. yeah, he becomes giant man or whatever. Um, this is like the worst. This is I saw a comic once where like the Flash and Superman raced each other to see who was fastest, and this is like a worst contest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like of the pissing more, con- like, of the pissing contests in the comic yeah. books. This. Who could be more abusive to their spouse? Uh, yeah, I mean, Reed Richards is just that he just treats everybody like they're the dumbest people on earth. And, uh, and not only that, but he talks down to his wife constantly. Yeah. And, uh, it's just so deeply misogynistic. And, and to that end too, I mean, Stanley's women characters are, are, you can, I don't even know if you can call them characters. They're just set dressing. Yeah. Invisible girl has nothing to do for so long and he got letters from from uh readers who were like what does invisible girl contribute to the fantastic four like what what does she accomplish and uh, he and his his uh you know art staff were like well fuck maybe we should actually you know like they had to like justify you her mean inclusion. you want something more than she turns invisible and gets right. captured by the bad guy all the time <laughs> every fucking issue <laughs> Yeah, every time. Uh, she, she's just the external motivation for these male you know, heroes to like do their jobs or whatever. Um, and, and eventually they give her uh, superpowers that, uh, it, you know, she can like create force fields or whatever. And that, that becomes her main contribution to the group. But but now we're stuck. We, now we've given a woman power, so we got to create another woman who's useless. Oh, what about Jean Grey? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm less harsh on Jean Grey. I think the problem with Jean Grey is that she's the only girl in that group. Yeah. And of course, in all of these stories, <laughs> it doesn't matter who it is. If a girl is on page, these horny superheroes want to fuck her. And it's the only thing they want to do. So it's like the entire X-Men, even pr- the Professor X, who's looking at, the, like, she's can, like 17 years old or whatever. You can, like, control people's minds. Yeah. Like, He's sit, yeah, he's sitting there. He like there's literally he's like sitting there and he's like, mm, I wish I could pork Green Jean Grey, <laughs> and Jean Grey's you know just like, uh, oh, the professor's so nice, and he's like, I could never tell her my real feelings. I'm like, why, why? <laughs> what am I? Uh, what you gonna do, professor? You're paralyzed down there. <laughs> like that's why you're in the wheelchair, buddy. <laughs> well, maybe that's maybe that's why he laments. <laughs> I can't be with her. That's what Daredevil does. Like uh, Daredevil and and Iron Man have the same fucking problem, and their problem is that they have some kind of like physical disability that they feel is going to prevent them from being able to be with the other person. So Daredevil's (laughs) blind. Tony Stark has a heart problem, and like Tony Stark doesn't want to reveal that he has a heart problem because then that will cue in the other person that that he's Iron Man, and Daredevil doesn't want to admit that he can actually like do more things than an average person can in spite yeah. of his blindness. Hey Daredevil, just that's what Marco Polo the game is invented for. <laughs> that's I got your problem solved, buddy. <laughs> just turn the lights out and Marco uh, Polo, Marco. here we go. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got it. I found you. <laughs> my my radar is <laughs> Yeah. 
Watch what I can do, baby. Yeah, but <laughs> so, but they have the same God, problem. It's terrible. like it's like Daredevil's like, um, I want to be with Karen Page, but uh, I I don't think she would. You know, I don't think I'm fit for Karen Page. I hope that uh, she finds happiness with Foggy Nelson, and but I really wish I could be with Karen. And Karen's like, I wish Matt Murdock would fucking pay attention to me. I guess I'll pay like hang out with <laughs> Foggy Nelson instead. And then uh, the same thing with Pepper Potts. Iron Man's like, I wish I could be with Pepper Potts. And Foggy's like, ooh, look, squirrel. No, Foggy's <laughs> like, uh, Karen, Karen's so fine, but I think maybe he, she has a thing for Matt, and that's not cool. And so do I. Yeah. and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, You know what? You would fit in really well at Captain America's orgy over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like Tony Stark does the same thing with Pepper Potts, where he's like, yeah. "I want to be with Pepper Potts, but like I'm not good for Pepper, so I hope that Pepper can be happy with happy uh, whatever his face is, <laughs> uh, ha- Happy Hogan or what? Well, yeah, yeah, Happy it. Hogan, ha- happy yeah, Hogan. Yeah, yeah, And then uh, Happy Hogan is like, "I'm really into uh, fucking Pepper Potts, but uh, Pepper Potts is really into Tony, and I wish uh, Tony would just like bump off and let me have Pepper Potts." <laughs> and Pepper Potts is like, "I really wish I could be with Tony, but you know, Tony's so complicated, and he never looks at me, and I don't think that he actually likes me. So maybe I'll make out with uh, Happy Hogan and make Tony jealous. It's it's just it's the same fucking <laughs> dynamic. It's so boring. It's not interesting, and it reduces these women to objects, which I think is just the yeah. Worst thing. Same thing with Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch is like everybody in the Avengers is like, oh, Scarlet Witch is mega fine. I really want to hook up with Scarlet Witch, except for Pietro because they're brother and sister. And that would be weird. Well, I read that episode actually. I read that that issue. Uh, Ultimate Comics or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's terrible. They come down to Arkansas. Um, (laughs) Land of the free over here. it it's just so gr- gross and i think what's what's also hilarious is like um so Don Heck, the the artist, one of the artists that worked for for Marvel for during this time. I would love um, it if his first name was Darn. Darn, yeah, Darn Heck. <laughs> um, Don Heck, though he 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 like he does uh, faces really well. Like he he draws faces really well, and women's bodies like he's a fucking lunatic. They do, <laughs> not a single one of them has organs. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, wh- who, who, how did you get away with this? I mean, he, basi- he basically then it modeled, sounds like he modeled it off of like Barbies from that era. It, it's, it's really embarrassing. Uh, it, it's it's like, uh, there's there's a one particular picture. I'm like, I know her name is the Wasp, but she shouldn't look like that. Like, that's a severe uh, deformity there. It, it just doesn't work. Um, so anyway, 1961, I would say through 1964, um, that's really the period when I think Marvel is just trying to establish these characters, trying to get into a rhythm, trying to have kind of a library of characters that, um, y- you know, they can kind of draw from for these stories. And then really interestingly, in 1965, Stan Lee kind of gets to this point where he's like, you know what, maybe I could have greater continuity between <laughs> all of these characters and the stories that they're in. Um, than I've been doing because so many of these issues are one-offs and they're just repetitive. It's the same cycle over and over. But then he starts to do these like multi-issue arcs that I think really change the entire um, dynamic for some of these characters You know, over uh, a longer period of time. All of a sudden, instead of doing the same cycle uh, every month, you know, it's like maybe he's doing a cycle every six or seven or eight months, you know, there's kind of this continuing saga 
where things get more and more dramatic and things really start to happen with the secondary characters. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, he's starting to branch out of these like deeply misogynistic roles, even though they they continue to persist. Um, at least he's telling new and, and more nuanced stories, exploring more of what I think these characters is um, flaws and faults are, as well as the things that make them very heroic. I think a great example of this is uh, Fantastic Four, again, in 1966 through the Galactus saga. Um, Thor has a great run in in Journey into Mystery, uh, transitioning into Thor when Journey into Mystery changed titles. Mm -hmm. Um, Where he's uh, he does like this trial of the gods and it just evolves into this whole thing. He meets Hercules. He fights Hercules. He loses his powers. He gets his powers back. Um, you know, this this kind of ongoing saga that I think is really interesting. Um, Amazing Spider-Man, I think, is of my favorite book of the <laughs> 60s, um, especially because I think Spider-Man is is such a great character. You know, he's a dude who is just a normal guy. And it's like there's a power fantasy of being a superhero. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You get your superpowers and then all of a sudden you just run around and you're awesome. But Stanley kind of posits, like, what if you got superpowers and it didn't change any of the fucking problems you have? Yeah. It just introduces new problems. He's for just you. a dork in high school and. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's a super powerful dork in college. Yeah. You know, like, it doesn't change his life. He's still broke as fuck. Yeah. You know, he still can't um, manage to, to, to pay his, his rent. He still struggles with, like, you know, my aunt is in poor health and I don't know how to afford health care for her. Of the three iterations of the Spider-Man movies, that's why I like the Sam Raimi, like, versions. Oh, I, I, think, I definitely think I think he... I felt like Tobey Maguire mm-hmm. did a great job of walking that line of, yeah. I'm Peter Parker and my life sucks and I'm Spider-Man and I've yeah. got this power and I've got to, like, fight and then it's... Yeah. My aunt is, I mean, that woman looked like Aunt May from the comics. Oh, yeah, sure. She's great. And I'm a fan of the other two actresses, like uh, Marissa Tomei and and, um, Sally Fields, who also played Aunt May. I'm fans of them. But, uh, yeah, that first actress looked like Aunt May. Yeah, I mean, the the Raimi movies, I think, capture uh, exactly what it is to be Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. And I think later iterations, especially the Tom Holland iterations for me, um, they, they they just kind of embody, I think, maybe not uh, the the literal spirit, but yeah. um, you know, kind of symbolic spirit of Spider Man. I think I think they still get it right. Yeah, it's just they modernized it a yeah. lot for for a younger Gen Z audience, yeah. right? Um, and, but I am your Gen Z. <laughs> but I think this is also one of the things that sets Marvel apart from it, the other companies, mm-hmm. like. So much of Marvel Comics does become about the secondary characters in this universe. You know, you have your heroes and they anchor your books, Mm -hmm. but it's not just those heroes that show up. And I think Spider-Man is the perfect example of how a supporting cast can become fascinating in their own right. I think J. Jonah Jameson is one of the greatest characters (laughs) ever written in comic books. Yeah. 
and it's because he's not he's not just the miser guy. He's not an Ebenezer Scrooge. There's a dude under there who actually can have compassion, who actually does have kind of a, a moral sense of order, even as he's a, a weirdo conspiracy theorist. And what's and what's his face playing that role in now two iterations of Spider Man oh, yeah. is like uh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. Oh my god, he's, he does such a he is an incredible <laughs> yes, he's an incredible uh J. Jonah Jameson. I um you know the thing that set Marvel apart for me was that you know if you you go to say somebody like a Superman and I know modern Superman yeah. has like more personal problems but Superman's always like kryptonite it's like something that stops the power right, right. but with no. the Marvel heroes it, they're the foibles it, and the, it, the yeah, weaknesses were like, like it's almost like their powers themselves become some of the the, the weaknesses look and at the, the thing, things that right? stop them is more internalized it's, right yeah yeah and I, what I what I love is that you know for so many of these characters, um, the solution to their problems is not more power. The solution to their problems isn't you know they've suddenly become these uh, super powerful beings. It's more like you know these new powers now put new responsibilities on them. Haha! <laughs> With great power comes great yeah. response. That's the thanks Spider-Man Ben thing. Parker. Thanks yeah. Ben Parker. You're dead. Rest in peace. Uh, how many times are they going to kill that poor guy? <laughs> he never did anything to them. <laughs> no, it's so sad. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, like really it, it's like these new circumstances just change the demands on them yeah. and, and all of a sudden it, it complicates their lives and not necessarily in a positive way. And that's new. That's, that's a, a, a fresh idea. We talked in our, um, our, our series on craft, you mm-hmm. know, about conflict and conflict is where the story is. Yep. And I think what I love about these old Marvel comic books, what I think has has crafted the staying power for them mm-hmm. is that their conflict is as often internal mm-hmm. as it is external. Yep. And that drives these characters forward in in interesting variations in a way that I'm like, you know, I've read how many fucking hundreds of these books at this point, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I, I, I don't get bored with them because even though they're the same cycle, right, everything's the same cycle and they find new variations for these cycles to keep it kind of fresh, to keep new, you know, uh, uh, situations, some nuance, some new complication. <laughs> and and I think that um there are clear and obvious shortcomings, right? God damn it. I wish they had even one <laughs> fucking f- woman writer on this staff <laughs> to write these characters. They did back then. They were the secretaries. <laughs> they wrote plenty <laughs> they, of memos. Uh, and... Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it, it's it's embarrassing. I think the, <laughs> the, if, if there's one thing about this cultural legacy that I would have left behind, it's the way that uh, they treat the, the women characters yeah, in these stories. Absolutely. Um, but, but you know, that's not to say that there aren't some other things that I think are really interesting and lead to new evolutions for these characters. You know, the Black Widow that we're introduced to in the 1960s becomes a completely different character by the 1970s. Yeah. And I don't think that's by accident. You know, I think that these things occur because, you know, they create a character and then there's this sense of continuing this, these complications, continuing these stories over a longer period of time so that they do evolve. You know, the character of Captain America in the 1960s 
may not resemble exactly the character today, you know, because of all the stuff that's happened in between. Um, and yet there you, you can still recognize the characters. Yeah. You can still see um, the ways in which they they remain true, I think, to their roots. Yeah. Even as they they've accumulated these nuances, these new complications um, that kind of change them, update them for these new generations. And so this is kind of the third part of of the conversation I wanted to have about yeah. Marvel. It's like, what gives this stuff staying power? How did we go from in 1961, I, this is just an idea I'm throwing out there to see if it'll make us any fucking money because we're broke as fuck, right? How do we go from that to... You know, and now everything is is Marvel. It's like, it's the the <clears throat> predominant cultural force, I think, of the last decade in media. I you know, I personally because now I mean Marvel has Disney behind it. I mean it's still a multi billion uh, dollar company, but and, I and think... we can't, can't discount the fact that this is so much a corporate enterprise yeah. now. But well, it wasn't necessarily a huge corporate enterprise in 1961. And it wasn't again in 2008, remember? Right. When, I mean, by then, Marvel had sold off a lot of their properties. Well, I mean, they were they were still big in the yeah. realm of comics, right? In the realm of cartoons. But the film rights They've they had sold off a lot of. They still had their, th- their fingerprint, I think, all over popular culture for, yeah. for forever. Uh, but you're right. I mean, when it comes to economic juggernauts, they were not. They, so they something went happened. plumb broke in the 90s. My point is, and I think you're getting into this, and I think this is what you're about to touch on, but the point I want to make to the, the audience is that the situation they were found in in 2008 when they get with John Favreau and they get this guy out of rehab who's been struggling to regain his, his uh-huh. legacy as an yeah. actor with Robert Downey Jr., Terrence Howard was paid more money than Robert Downey Jr. in that first yeah. in that first Iron Man. Um, and also why he didn't come back. Yeah. Uh, and But what we're seeing is kind of that the same thing that happened with Marvel. I mean, they, they I think this is what you're about to touch on is why did this work? Why did this grow from, from this film? Why did Iron Man work in 2008 is like why this company worked in 1961. I think you're about to yeah. get into that. And that's kind of the parallel that I was trying to draw. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, th- I think it comes down to you know the character. I, yep. I think it comes down to you know how do we create these these uh, character conflicts? Um, how do we endear a character to the audience and and get them involved? You know, get them in, in to witness part of this spectacle. Yep. And, and I I believe some of that is by making it relatable to an average person. You know, it kind of coding your stories in a way that. Um, readers are going to connect with Marvel comics in 1961, I think was a lot more mature than um, people give it credit for. And as much as it's got stupid shit, like a guy who puts a bunch of like a ghillie suit on (laughs) and a bunch of quills on his ghillie suit and calls himself the porcupine. (laughs) Right. As much as there's a bunch of stupid shit, uh, because there is stupid shit. Isn't that guy in She-Hulk? Yes. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he does show up. Yeah. Uh, he was an Ant-Man villain for a long time, and then uh, yeah. he shows up in S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, you know, th- th- these characters are stupid, but they're also, like, meaningful. Yeah. You know, um, I may not relate to a dude who puts on a rhino costume and gets stuck in it. <laughs> but I do relate to, you know, the nerdy teenager who feels like an outsider and doesn't know how to yeah. fit in. You know, I think there's a reason why the X-Men uh, have become so important to the queer community, you know, as a, a symbol of, um, uh, 
you know, fighting for justice for for uh, homosexuals or, you know, fighting racists. Um, I was going to say that's, you know, if they're they're a symbol of the queer community now, that's terrific. When I was reading them in the 90s, they were very much yeah, like yeah, a symbol, a symbol of, for uh, racism. Yeah, and, racism, too. Yeah, and, uh, that's yeah, that's interesting to me. That's that's fascinating. Um, I yeah. was wanted to ask you, too, like, what about what about Mar- did Marvel? Do you feel like Marvel and maybe I'm I, I'm not saying that they did. I'm just going to because this popped in my head. Do you feel like they did anything where they subverted expectations to oh, actually? Oh, I mean, totally, right? I mean, when you go into a superhero story, you expect like the superhero is going to be super positive. They don't bicker. They don't have. They yeah. don't have normal everyday person problems, right? Yeah. Um, I can't count how many times a Superman, you know, story is like, oh, there's like a cosmic distress beacon or something like that. And it's like that's not. It's not grounded. Yeah. You know, whereas like the thing. <laughs> the thing feels like he's ugly and he wants to do the right thing. He wants to be a part of something, but he's cr- he has crippling self-doubt. Yeah. It's hilarious how often I look at a panel with thing where he's like griping and I'm like, good Lord, do I just identify with this guy? Because <laughs> he, he's like, oh, I'm just a big lumbering of, oh, I, like if there's, who if would there's ever want to hang out with me? If there's anybody who needed a life coach, it was thing. Yeah, right. He needs Stuart Smalley from, from. SNL. <laughs> I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and gosh darn it people like me <laughs> <laughs> it, but it's great you know it's great to see a character that, that you kind of feel that empathy for yeah and I think that a lot of readers of Marvel kind of understood that they understood yeah. the, the way that these characters were coded to relate to them and that's mm-hmm. why they built such an affection for all of these characters oh yeah you know they I, are very relatable I related to them I was like you know, I at one point I even um, and I, I related so much to Peter Parker. But when I read this early comic of I got so I was in the in the stage of collecting, like when I, you know, in my middle school and high school years, I was mm-hmm. really in, interested in not collecting just the newest issues, but the older issues that I could afford. So I think I told you, like, I had X-Men number six, which I think was the first appearance of the Brotherhood. Um, uh, I, or whichever I, one was it? I, it was one or one, one of those. Right? I might get yeah, the yeah, number yeah. wrong. I, 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 I think the number is a, a bit different. But uh, they do yeah. appear in number six. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, but well, that's what I'm saying. I might get the issue wrong. But I know right, I had right. like the first yeah. appearance of because it says yeah, like yeah, yeah. on the cover, like yeah, the Brotherhood yeah. of Evil Mutants. Yeah. I think it was number two. But, yeah. but I got like the first appearance of the Scorpion, and what I remember about that was like, oh uh, yeah, J. Jonah Jameson was like pissed about something and he hires this guy he hires this guy to go like confront spider-man and then then he he realizes by the end of the issue that the guy is like worse than spider-man and he's like oh shit you know and it's it's great but his reason for doing it simultaneously tries to cover it up but he's also like he's also you know kind of like (laughs) we gotta get in front of this you know like we gotta like this guy is bad i mean i made a mistake so not only the heroes were like three-dimensional the the or two-dimensional the or whatever dimensional the the <laughs> yeah, villains yeah, yeah. were too. I mean, the villains yeah. weren't just. Yeah, I mean, I think in it's, some cases. I in think some it's cases. funny because we, you know we were talking about uh, <laughs> you know for example speaking of the brotherhood. You got you got Magneto real comes name. in. He's like, hey, I uh, you want to join my brotherhood of evil mutants? <laughs> what are you talking about, bro? <laughs> Who just sits out and it's like, yeah, you know what? My name's Toad and I'm evil. <laughs> what? But how evil are you? On a scale of one to ten. <laughs> How he, I see him giving like those personality tests that like HR gives you when you're, they're hiring. You're not evil enough. Get out of here. Would you most likely be destroying your friend's house, <laughs> helping your friend move in, yeah, right, right, or 
telling your friend to buy another house. I think this is one of the things that I think is really funny. Uh, because, like, you know, Magneto in, in one of the early X-Men issues. Magneto, I would tell him I'd help and tell him he could use my pickup, and then I'd tell him I had a flat tire and sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> It's a joke because I actually so helped evil. Trevor move into his house. So. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I'm not great. evil. It was good. Um, <laughs> yeah, like they go to Magneto goes to Namor, right? And and he's like, Namor, join my brotherhood of evil mutants. And I don't think Namor thinks of himself as evil, but he's also <laughs> yeah. just like, yeah, sure, all right, I'll come to your party. And then of course they backstab each other because that's always the case with superhero super villains. Yeah, 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 true. Each other. Yeah. I mean, I, I just love that, you know, Magneto, well, he probably wasn't like a an, an Auschwitz escapee I, it, at that point, was no, he? No, no, he was not. He was yeah, that was a, later. But... Was a, that was a, <laughs> a rep, retcon way, way later. <laughs> but I but I do like the guy who's like, you know, he just wakes up. He goes, I'm, I'm going to, I'm workshopping a group. I think I'm going to call them the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. What do you think? And he actually has people who are like, yeah, I... I, I'm in. Let's go. Come on. Let's do this. I believe in your cost, bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mutant supremacist. That's not, yeah, I'll sign up yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That d- right. There's nothing right that sounds, uh, you know, maybe a bit wrong there. <laughs> I like the message you, you present. <laughs> right. You have a lot of good points, sir. <laughs> <laughs> do we get to wear oh, like costumes that look kind of crazy? Yes, of course. <laughs> the tighter, the better. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Toad. <laughs> um, you, brother and sister team, Yuan. <laughs> this is a family affair. <laughs> What's great about uh, that was Quicksil- something else they retconned later, right? Well, uh, no, but yeah, I yeah, mean, they yeah. weren't originally family members. It was just uh, it, Magneto did did him a solid one time, and then Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were like, I don't know, I guess we'll join your evil club. Uh, we're not really evil, but you know, like. <laughs> Uh, you, but we owe you a favor. <laughs> what and are then, we doing tonight? It's Friday. I was going to wash my hair. Uh, why don't we join this guy? He looks like he's he's yeah. solid. It, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> like he, he literally he just he like saved their lives one time or something. And they're like, we owe you a debt of gratitude. And, and then, then he uh, saved their life. She's like, my hex powers won't let me get the soda out of the machine. Uh, actually, and he's like, I can control metal. I do think that it's explained <laughs> that they were like being hunted down by some some anti mutant. Whatever. Oh, gotcha. Um, I don't. Re- Call exactly, but it, it is funny as they as the series goes on because everybody's like, I don't know, these uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver don't seem too bad, and the whole time they're sitting there like, you know, this Magneto's guy, he, like he's kind of an asshole. What if we left him and just went and joined the Avengers? That's basically like what uh, that that uh, Avenger or no, what was it um, when they appeared in the MCU? That was basically oh, Age of Ultron. Yeah, that I was mean, basically that's, Age that's of Ultron. Point, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're like, I don't know, maybe maybe, maybe they've got a point. Maybe we should go and join the, the good guys. We're tired of fighting you guys. Can we just join you? Sure, come yeah. on in. Yeah, and Captain America was like, mm, ah, I'm just kidding. You guys are great. Come on, there's a party over here. And Tony Stark's probably like, you son of a fuck. Well, Tony Stark uh, disbanded the Avengers. Like, that was the whole thing. Oh, he, yeah, yeah. He, like, that's why Captain America was like, I need some fresh new talent. And uh, Iron Man was like, I'm going to introduce you to a guy who has almost killed me like three times. Here's Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> and Hawkeye, Hawkeye joins up. And the only reason he joins up is because Black Widow dumped him to go back to Russia. Because <laughs> Black, Black Widow or uh, Hawkeye was like, I really end up banging hot, like Black Widow. I think she's really hot. And then uh, she gets 
gets uh, like abducted by her Russian handlers and she's sent back to Russia. And he's like, well, no more. There's no more Black Widow. I don't know what to do with my life. And Iron Man's like, hey, you almost killed me a couple of times. You want to be an Avenger? And Hawkeye's like, yeah, I fucking do. Let's All go. Right. Question. <laughs> Serious question time. One guy has a suit of armor that's like, it's it's, it's in his name, Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, right. The other guy shoots a bow and arrow. How the <laughs> fuck did he almost kill him? Like, there's a cheek <laughs> yeah, right, right no, that's, there. That's exactly, that's pretty much exactly <laughs> what happened, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, crane your neck really just crazy. a little bit more. It's I also gotcha. it's it's funny because when Captain America puts together the new team, you know they got Quicksilver, uh, Scarlet Witch, and Hawkeye, and he's like, um, "Well, you know, we lost Thor, and kind of Thor was kind of our main bag. Like he was the guy who did everything. <laughs> so how do we compete anymore?" Uh, and he's like, "We we're gonna compete through." Gumption, you know, like he just kind of making it up. I was going to say, is that when they got Hercules? Uh, No, they don't. They don't. I don't think they get Hercules for a little bit longer. But uh, Giant Man joins back up. Oh, there you go. He's got heart problems, so he's like, he's the worst fucking character. I hate Tony Stark had heart problems, and then they give Giant Man. Yeah, Giant Man's body from from being small and being big. Endocarditis, or (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. He he just can't handle the strain or whatever. So he kind of and he's beating his wife. So he's like Iron Man and Reed Richards rolled into one. I fucking hate Hank Pym. He's just he like he and Reed Richards are just such misogynistic aspects. Yeah, they really. I can't stand them. I read an article just like today, I think earlier, or maybe it was yesterday, about how Hank Pym is just this un. He's this character that no matter what iteration he's been in over the years, he's always been this horrible character. He's just character. always been an asshole. Yeah. Like, always been a huge except dick. Except the, the Michael Douglas version in the MCU. Like, other than that, any, like, comic version of him, he's always yeah, been an asshole. I'm just waiting for that shoe to drop, honestly. Well, they that's the that was the article. That's what it was talking about with Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania. They're assuming that, you know, this is going to come back to be, my, to be Hank Pym. You know, he's going to be the one to, to help Kang... Uh, in the end of it, and not necessarily Scott Lang. I don't want to speculate on what's going to happen, but... We don't want to have this speculation oh. game <laughs> like everybody else on the fucking internet. No, I no, don't. Just... I want to go in fresh. But I but I also think that, uh, like, I, I just don't... I don't like Hank Pym. I think yeah. he's a terrible character. I think he's always been a terrible character. And I, I yeah. think it's what's crazy to me is, like, um, I've known diehard Hank Pym fans who will be like, you're misinterpreting his misogyny. And I'm like, I know I'm not. Are He's they too just misogynist? a jerk. Uh, well, it's a woman. So I mean, oh. maybe there's some internalized misogyny going on there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I just don't get it. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand how you can see this character in a good light. Uh, because he's just a jerk to everybody, and he's especially like verbally abusive to uh, Wasp, and, and it's the same with Reed Richards. I, I think yeah. that he is constantly um, talking down to Susan Storm to the point where, like, in several issues, she calls him out on it, and he's just like, "Well, you know, I'm calling you an idiot because I'm trying to save your life. You know that all the things I'm doing are too big." So he brain mansplains for you why he's mansplaining yes, to her. Yes, he mansplains why he's being verbally <laughs> abusive to her. He's the worst fucking character in Marvel comics, aside from uh, Hank Pym. I hate them both with every bit of my soul. Yeah. Spider Man's all right, though. I like Spider Man's all right. Spider-Man's I've always liked cool. Captain America. I've always been a Captain, Captain America. Captain America's pretty good. Pretty, I mean, he's, he's pretty. He's good one show. of the few that's. I he's mean, pretty good. They 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 manufacture some internal conflict with him because he's such a wholesome yeah. guy. But you yeah. know, I I do like him. I 
I think he's a, a, a fun character. Yeah. I, I think my favorite characters right now in 1966, as I'm reading them, uh, I always have a good time with Spider-Man. I just yeah. think he's such a great character. He's everything that I want in a character. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, he's he's very altruistic. He does the right thing for the right reasons. And even though he knows that doing the right thing will never get him ahead, he still does the right yeah. thing. And I think that's what I love about Spider-Man. He... He has lots of anger. He has lots of frustration. And yet at the end of the day, he's always doing what's right to do it because it's right. Yep. And I think that's just a, a marvelous example. <laughs> Marvel. Yeah. Yes. Of how you can have a character, you know, who, who really gets the shit end of the stick all the time uh, and, and just deals with it. Like just learns to let it go and, and learns to, um, you know, kind of embrace doing the right thing. Uh, I also like Thor. A yeah. lot. I think Thor's really fun to, to to read. You know, he's always getting himself into a, a situation where his pride is is just you know insurmountable, mm-hmm. and then he has to have this uh, this reckoning with his massive sense of pride. <laughs> um, and it and that I think can be really fun uh, to read. I hate Ant Man stories. <laughs> uh, the bottom of the barrel for me. Anytime Ant Man shows up, I'm like, I, do, I just supremely do not care. Um, <laughs> I think Hulk is really boring. <laughs> like at first, I was like, he's kind of interesting because of the Je- Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde thing, and then it just it just boils down it's to basically I'm angry just all like the time. Yeah, and it's basically just like the the. Um you were going to tell us he doesn't change because he's angry, right? Did you ever tell us? Why? Yeah, no. It's, I got so, you off on the color uh, thing. Yeah, originally <laughs> he he changes just with the cycles of of the moon, uh, or like like daytime, nighttime. At mm. night he turns into the Hulk, and then in the day he's uh, Bruce Banner, and like goes, a werewolf kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, and but then it, it turns to stress. Stress is what. Uh, Which is more him. interesting. That is right, more interesting right. trigger, it's, and that yeah. that becomes the trigger, uh, and then it's rage. Uh, yeah. You know, and then it just becomes uh, the longer he stays angry, the more uh, the more powerful he gets. Yeah, and, and that's when I just get I just get bored. Well, and it felt like any of those old comics of Hulks that I've ever read. It was always like, here's Hulk, here comes the military. Damage, you know, destruction ensues. That's, that's the entire. That's that's it. It's always Hulk versus the military. And there's, I was like, I'm tired really, of this. There's really no variation at all with the Hulk. And except that that time boring. the Avengers revived Captain America to yeah. go stop the Hulk. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, they're like, well, we fucked that up. Well, let's just keep sending the military after him for. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's fun, and then it gets boring. Um, I really like. Um, Daredevil, I, I feel like Daredevil is kind of hit and miss because sometimes his villains are just so lame. Yeah. They're just so just dumb. Yeah. Super dumb. I um, like the Daredevil of the 80s when Frank Miller did Daredevil. Yeah, when he kind of, kind of gets like really grungy and. Yeah. And, uh, but he I. Like goes to hell and stuff and meets like Typhoid yeah, Mary yeah, yeah. and Mephisto. And the I stuff like, that I really yeah. like about Daredevil in the 60s is like. Um, occasionally you'll get an issue where it's it's like really dependent on Matt Murdock being a, a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like that stuff. There's a there's a great <laughs> issue um, where Namor and Daredevil. <laughs> I was Daredevil, hoping you were going to talk about this one yeah, before we left. Yeah, Namor and, da- and Daredevil uh, uh, kind of face off. And, and it's because uh, Namor is like, like his underground or his underwater um, civilization <laughs> is like, uh, we really should just like invade the planet. And he's like, you know what? No, we're going to we're going to do it a better way. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> sue the the surface world or whatever. So he comes up 
and he's like, he goes to Matt Murdock. He's like, I need a lawyer. And Matt Murdock is like, why do you need a lawyer? And he's like, because I'm going to sue the planet. You know, like, <laughs> he's like, I want to, I want to declare supremacy over, you know, the, the world governments. And Matt Murdock is like, you know, the law doesn't work like that. Right. <laughs> and, and Namor is like, what are you talking about? I'm a prince of Atlantis. Make it work for me. And, uh, and so he like. They go to trial for some reason, and like Matt Murdock's like in the trial or whatever. But he's in a business suit, right? He's not he's, as Daredevil, it, it, right? Correct. He's he's Matt Murdock. Right? So that means Namor shows up in a business suit too, right? To, no, to look- he shows up in his underpants, <laughs> and it's it's absolutely fucking hysterical. And they're and they're tell like like Namor doesn't understand the court system, so he's just like ignoring people that are talking to him. And the judge starts telling him like, "You have to do this, right? You understand, like." You you have to answer questions. You have like if I tell you to sit, you should be sitting. And uh, and Matt Murdock the whole time is like, the dude's a fucking emperor. Like <laughs> you, you know, like maybe don't talk to him like he's just a a weirdo. And uh, and of course it it devolves into like this this brawl with the army because the army doesn't recognize. And Namor. you, my friend, have just put your finger on what I hope the next the new Daredevil season is going to oh, be. Like <laughs> it's when like Dis- Dare- Daredevil trying to. We've deal introduced with Namor, Namor, yeah, and in the Wakanda in the new Wakanda yeah, yeah, Forever yeah, yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah. So now let's bring him back into Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah, He's going to yeah, go yeah. hire Matt Murdock, and I yeah. want that. I, I, I hope he hires Matt Murdock and She Hulk. Yeah, She Hulk's yeah. got to be in it because that would be her vibe. She'd yeah, be, yeah, yeah. She's already had. Uh, like she, you know, Matt Murdock's already done the Walk of yeah, Shame yeah, yeah. after sleeping oh, man. with her. I, I loved She-Hulk. Oh, I know, I know, I'm in, I'm in the the internet m- minority here. I'm right there with you, buddy. It was uh, freaking it's, great. No, it's, it's absolutely it was oh, great. wonderful. It's so good. Uh, so anyway, you know that's that's kind of the the highlights, the stuff that I really like, the stuff I don't like, uh, why I think it's important, uh, and why I think you know. Well, you're right, though. It's, it's culturally doing. like reshaped. It's helped to reshape la- oh, the latter part of the 20th century and it, the first part has. of the 21st. I, I don't think that you can look at popular culture and and not find something that it's it's touched in some no. way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Not. I mean, you know, even if your your media is not drawing directly from Marvel comics or whatever, I can, I can guarantee you've probably seen it somewhere. Yeah. You know, somewhere in some shape or form, um, and I think it continues to be a, a cultural juggernaut. That may be because of the monopolization of media through Disney, um, but I I also think that it's just well, we these the stories was... are going to stick around. These stories are impactful. People connect with them, and it's just going to keep. Going. We knew the world was going to end some way. So if it's through the monopolization of entertainment through Disney, then I, mean, I, guess, I guess I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride. To, to Disney, do you guys want to buy Sleigh House? I like, think <laughs> <laughs> we could really use that Disney money. <laughs> I'll sell it to you. <laughs> hey, we got some IP. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> no, we're not. We're not that that yeah. hard up yet. I don't think. No. I think we enjoy having our creative control too. I feel like. I mean, the one thing Disney has done, and and Marvel, by extension, have done right is hire somebody who loves the sure. the the having stories. A, having and a the, passion for stories, yeah. Really does and Kevin Feige has done a, an amazing job on yeah. that front. Um, yeah. You know, and I think James Gunn now going to DC is probably going to be. I think he has a deep. Uh, love too for source material. He has yeah. a deep love for characters and stuff. Yeah. Um, I do think that I don't want an entire like I don't want James Gunn everything DC. 
Um, yeah. Just because I think that some of his takes on characters are not the right takes. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But I do think that, you know, I, I at least have faith that he's going to do better than whoever the fuck was running the show earlier. I'm tired of Grimdark. I'm so it sick. Was, of, what's his face? Um, I don't know. A Zack Snyder? Yeah, Zack Snyder. I mean, Snyder. they kind of uh, corralled around his his cinematic vision. I've never... I don't uh, think he was the, the storyteller uh, he's not. du jour or whatever. I have said for years, I would not hire, personally, if I was in that position, Zack Snyder would not be my director. He might I, be my I cinematographer, be, depending on my story. I, either that, or I was going to say, maybe my special effects director. Yeah, 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 like but not a director with control over all of... No, no he's no. He's not good. No. And I'm, t- I'm sick of grimdark yeah. in, in a world where the the sky is falling where the sky is falling where the sky is falling do we really day. need dr- grimdark <laughs> the answer is no i want light and peppy <laughs> i'm 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 ready for some more altruism man i'm ready yeah. I, that's one of the reasons why i love the star or the the spider-man movies so i almost said star wars it's <laughs> um, the reason i love the spider-man movies so yeah. much is because you know like i this is a character that i don't feel like needs to be grimdark i feel like this is a character with plenty of conflict who's still doing the right thing for the right reasons and has fun doing it like my god being a superhero should be fun sometimes it shouldn't all be good like fucking the world is falling apart oh my god well here's some altruism from me to you i am handing you the keys to the podcast and i am stepping back so that I can handle all of the other shit going on with Slayhouse. There's a lot of shit going on with Slayhouse. Um, but so, and I trust you to carry this on. Yeah, even we, though you still haven't gotten me that brief introduction to your new co-host uh, that episode yet, you're supposed to give that to it's me. It's in my pocket. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, then I'll get it. I'll get it here in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my altruistic move for 2023. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's some good altruism. I like it. I trust you to keep the reins and I keep the show going. I trust that it's gonna it's still gonna be fun. I yeah. these Marvel rants are not gonna become the whole show. This is just <laughs> something that I've been thinking about for yeah. the last two years as I've been reading these damn comic books. And to be yeah. honest, folks, I was out of ideas for the, the weekly content. <laughs> <laughs> what can we do for content? I got a solid two hours on Marvel over here. Let's go. I No, we wanted this to be kind of, as my swan song, to be kind of fun. But let's be clear. I mean, I know I've, I've been on the horn talking to some I've been, you've been talking to some people for, I've been talking to a for lot some people. interviews. I've yeah. been talking to someone very uh, important that we will, conf- we are in the, pro- hey, you know what? I'm just going to draw for, for, for the Go audience ahead. who's been listening. Go here's ahead. some stuff to look forward that we've yeah. been working for. Go ahead. Go ahead. Laurel Hightower. I'll be back for that one, folks. We're, I'm not, I'm. I'm not going all the way away. I'm yeah, going away. We're, we're going to be, we're going to be doing But I do want to talk to Laurel. Laurel Hightower. I've got um, uh, uh, Bethany Cole. Um, she is an artist uh, and translator here at the University of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. She recently has a, a book that she put out. Uh, it's a retranslation of The Wanderer, um, complete with uh, watercolor paintings that she did. And she's done it with the Tolkien reader in mind. So we're going to talk about Tolkien. We're going to talk about um, her book, The Wanderer, her work as a translator. I think it's going to be a great show. I'm really looking yep. forward to it. Uh, William Sterling is on the horn, too, uh, talking about Killer Be Killed and some of his books. Um, Rachel Harrison on the horizon as well, just yep. confirmed with her. 
Uh, we've got some very exciting guests that have already lined up. We've got more guests in mind that we'll be bringing in uh, with my new co-host, Caitlin. We've got some great ideas to talk about some uh, literature that is a little bit off the beaten track of what we've covered before on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We're still going to do some horror, but we're going to reach out into some science fiction, some fantasy, some YA, a little bit of romance, you know, really mm-hmm. just kind of talk about the the much broader breadth of media that we encounter. And uh, I think it's going to be fun on the show, you Absolutely. know, and Jeremy's not going away. We're going to do a deep dive on Mary Shelley later, later this I'll year. I'll be back for that. We're very excited about that. I will that. be here for the Laurel Hightower interview. I've um, got a Star Wars update sometime between now and the end of 2023. <laughs> and you guys know I will not miss that one. Uh, of course. And, uh, you know, this is something I've been pushing for, too. Trevor and I have been talking since before, you know, since almost the end of season one, um, that we wanted to branch out beyond horror. And, yeah. you know, we want to stick with horror and give it its due, but we want to branch out because Slayhouse is so much more than just a horror yeah, we, publisher. We kind of started with horror because I think that's the mutual language that we speak. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, but you know, it's evolved beyond that. We yeah. published stuff beyond that. Yep. Um, and I think we're, you know, we're ready to try some new stuff to, to you know, kind of mix up our dynamic a little bit. And I still think it's going to be a very fun show. On the publishing side of things, we are going to be soon releasing the cover, having the cover reveal for Black mm-hmm. Echoes, Echoes. J.B. McLaurin's book, novel. Uh, we will have right after that the uh, the cover reveal and the publication of the Cartography Door by Sean Edward. Yeah, um, we've got two uh, anthologies planned for this year. We've got yeah. Tales of Slayhouse twenty twenty three, and we've got Tales of Slayhouse Tales of the Slay Siblings coming out. Yeah, um, or or coming available, and, and we're going to be opening for submissions for both of these pretty soon. Let's not forget our our audio adaptations of uh, many short stories, radio dramas. We uh, just finished another table read last night. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a, a lot of fun. I think uh, that that one was for Curtis Harrell's Hunger. Yep, uh, a short story that appeared in Tales of Slayhouse twenty twenty two. It's a fun story oh, and it's, it's so a much great fun. adaptation. We're really excited about this Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Uh, we're wrapping up. Um, uh, help me out. What was the title of the other one that, that we just filmed? From the Dead by Edith Nesbitt. Yes, that's right. Another adaptation. And we've got more coming on that front. Um, I, my friends, am writing like a freaking mad dog over here like my own like stuff like yeah i'm working on the sequel to a mindful of scorpions i've got two standalone novels finished i've got one a third that's nearly finished and then i've got a A novella novella that i'm working on and i'm not going to say too much of this any of this about any of this stuff that's the work in progress but these are fun man i'm enjoying yeah i it's it, i think that it's going to be a very fun very big year so yeah. uh even though this is kind of a a bit of a send off thank you for your time on the show you're welcome you're, you're not gone you're not I'm gone i'm not gone i am i'm going to come back as the the guest i'm i'm like the your favorite character on your tv show that was like a guest star <laughs> he came back to guest star in his former role. 
I'm like Kate Walsh on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Jesse Spencer on Chicago Fire. I'm like Steve Carell on The Office. When I like he left. that you, you prepared this list. I did. I did because I had to remember. <laughs> Christopher Maloney on Law & Order. I am your Christopher Maloney. I am Tim Rosen from Schitt's Creek. I am Anthony Head from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Paget Brewster from Criminal Minds. I can keep going all day. I'm David I, I Duchovny ho- from the X Files. I hope that uh, this doesn't signal the downturn of because many of these actors left the show and then everything the fell sh- apart. <laughs> it went to shit really fast. Ah, uh, here we go. I'm Sh- I'm Shelley Long from Cheers. The show only got better after oh, she left. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. yeah. If that if I'm Shelley Long, that makes Caitlin um, Kirstie Alley. Oh, there we go. All right. Yeah. So uh, sure, why not? Sure, sure. And that I'll makes you that. Ted Danson. Uh, I mean, okay. He was, he was bald. <laughs> You're bald. <That's- laughs> uh, it's working. I'm working that way. Um. Yeah. So you know, I'll be back, folks. You you'll just think you've gotten rid of me, and then like a bad penny, I'll turn up. Yeah, it'll like, turn. That's up an old Indiana home. Jones joke. Yeah. So like gum on the shoe. Yeah, like gum on. I'm the gum shoe. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll let hey, you sign us out that's it all right thank you for coming to this episode of slay house presents we'll see you next week <laughs>